Welcome to the LabOp Leaders Series, a showcase of global change agents and experts in healthcare and laboratory management. Here's your host, LabOp Global Founder, Robert Farias. We'd like to welcome uh, Abdullahi Dramet to the podcast. Abdullahi, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you, Robert. Great. So Abdullahi, let's help the audience learn a bit more about you. Can we begin by understanding your academic path? Yes, thank you very much, Robert, for giving me this opportunity. Um, my name is Abdullahi Drame. Um, um, I was born and brought up in, in the Gambia. Um, and that's where I started off um, in my uh, journey to becoming a laboratory scientist, particularly a clinical trial laboratory scientist. Um, I studied um, biomedical sciences um, as a kind of diploma. Uh, we call it foundation degree. Um, with the St. James University of London. Um, and then I did a two-year top-up um, to, get, to get my bachelor's degree in applied sciences uh, with the University of Ulster. Um, and after that, um, I did a master's degree as well with the University of Edinburgh, where I studied uh, global health. Um, so just to get a, a bigger picture of how laboratory science fits into the overall global health uh, um, agenda. So Abdullah, can I understand that then? So it sounds like all of your training or all of your undergraduate studies was done outside of the Gambia? Yes. That yes, that's true. Interesting. So how, how did that come to pass? Um, so um, we, uh, in our, in our um, organization where I worked, uh, we have this partnership with um, St. George University of London, um, as well as um, Ulster University in Northern Ireland. So whereby they help train uh, um, a young, young laboratory scientists or young laboratory technicians to attaining uh, academic qualifications. So usually we started off um, just immediately from high school. Um, that was the policy at the moment. Um, Gambia didn't have a university until 1999. So most people would not have access to higher education um, just a little bit uh, before our generation. So, uh, and the university is starting off um, as a young university, so then there was no courses like in biomedical science and stuff. So this, this partnership uh, gave us scholarships um, through our employer, uh, the Medical Research Council um, in the Gambia, to enroll into uh, this uh, foundation degree. Uh, so it's actually uh, distance learning. So we're not physically present in the UK but the course has been run and managed by the um, University of London. And um, at the final year, you are, uh, if, 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 you are, if, you are, if you are eligible, you can go and uh, do your final year in the UK. Um, but I did all my, in the Gambia, except my master's degree where I traveled to Scotland uh, at Edinburgh University to complete my master's degree. So you blend, it, is, it is blended alongside our full-time uh, job uh, at the Medical Research Council in the Gambia. Great. So let's talk about your professional experiences then. So how did you get started uh, at the MRC? Yeah, this is an interesting question. Um, yeah, so in fact, I think I consider this, uh, my, 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 my journey into laboratory sciences by accident. I call it accident because um, from high school, I have always been wanting to study um, uh, courses like engineering. Uh, like uh, I was so uh, passionate about mechanics and you know how to fix things and stuff. 
so after finishing of high school, I was looking for options to uh, study engineering. As I said earlier, the University of the Gambia did not have, uh, at that time, did not have uh, courses in that area. So I just opted for, for uh, voluntary teaching uh, in, a, in a local secondary school in the Gambia. So to just to give, give myself some time to think about what I really wanted to do. So, um, so a friend of mine or a family friend um, um, notified me that there were some um, vacancies, lab, laboratory technician vacancies at the Medical Research Council where I'd be interested in applying. Um, okay, so I, I thought about it uh, briefly and then said, look, you know, it, it might be a, a good opportunity, you know, why not just study something that is also helping people to get treatments to, you know, to make people's lives uh, better. Um, so I just went into uh, pick up a form uh, and I applied. Uh, so after two months of silence, I was uh, called to go for an interview. So I was I was kind of uh, shocked. And then the more time now I think about it, the more excited I became, and the more passionate I became uh, about uh, biological systems, you know, biology and, and health and, and medicine. Um, so I went to attend the interview. I was happy that I uh, was successful. But it took about three months again before they got back to me. So I was still doing my teaching. So at one, one morning, I just woke up, kind of stressed out, you know, thinking that my life is still in a mess. I don't know what to do. So a call came from the HR and said, uh, you are Abdullah Drame. You are successful for your interview. So I was so happy. Then I, that's how I picked up that uh, job as a laboratory technician. Very, at a very junior level at that time, um, uh, in the immunology lab, uh, in, in the infant immunology lab of the Medical Research Council. Wow. So, so your introduction as a technician came from, uh, you almost actually applied for the job before you had any schooling in the medical lab science field whatsoever. And you, you sort of, through that, through that employment, began your few months of studies to get to the point where you may qualify for the work. Is that, is that understood correctly? Yeah. So the wow. job at that, at that time requires just a high school degree that you have to study the sciences. I mean, if you are from the science domain, um, so it is a very genial level at the time. We, we call it laboratory technician, but uh, it's, it's actually very genial at the time. But now the policy has changed. You have to have a biology bachelor's sure, degree. Sure, sure. In biology no, I appreciate that. Uh, degree. Yeah. But then uh, as you get into the job, yeah, you get trained as well on the job. Um, and then you get this uh, diploma that, that makes you, you know, that gives you more uh, qualifications to proceed to progress in the, in the, in the, in the job. Oh, that's great. So, so you begin work at the MRC um, and what happens then? Yeah, so um, that started off very nicely. Uh, I started, my first project was a vaccine, a vaccine, a vaccine trial, like a, a vaccine clinical trial. So testing out a, a, a new vaccine. Um, so that was exciting. So then I had to kind of develop my my knowledge base in all these things as quickly as, as possible. So I started reading of immunology books and how vaccines work when people in, get, get injected with these vaccines. What happened? How does the immune system uh, respond to this? Uh, and in the lab, these are the experiments we were doing. So at the start, I'll get trained, you know, go through a lot of training and mentorship and supervision to be able to carry out some of these laboratory experiments to, to answer these questions. Um, and then uh, happily, I started, you know, get, getting grasp of what's going on. And I get, I, eight, eight months later, I enrolled into this uh, diploma. So that was definitely very helpful to understanding the theoretical basis of some of these experiments we do in the lab. Uh, and uh, upon completion of the diploma, I, I was fortunate to be promoted. So uh, I get into a more kind of a CDO role. So we, that, that we call a CDO laboratory technician. 
so that's how I, uh, I I progress. And then from a senior lab technician, I, I went on to do uh, complete my bachelor's degree, and I got a promotion to a scientific officer. So I think I, I was very pleased with my with my career. That's the like everything kind of uh, followed uh, the logis, uh, the logical uh, uh, pathways there. So I started over there, and, and I I checked I checked off all the kind of uh, uh, boxes, like racing from one step to the other, up to the other, up to where I am at the moment. So I think that gave me that gave me a lot of experience along the way. So I haven't skipped any kind of a step, you know, sure. I've gone through all the steps up to this point. Sure. And so, so from MRC in the Gambia, uh, what were your, uh, you were there for, for some time? Was that the understanding? You were there for the large part of the beginning yeah. of your career? Yeah. So for the most part of the beginning of my career, so that span across about eight years, I was um, still at MRC um, until I get my bachelor's degree and I got this, I get uh, this scientific officer, um, role. So all these years, I've been working on one vaccine or the other, you know, various vaccine trials or in the in, in, uh, on infectious diseases like uh, vaccines, candidate vaccines against malaria, candidate vaccines against uh, HIV. I did on pneumococcal co uh, co conjugate vaccines um, uh, and many other vaccine studies and immunity studies, uh, all on the infant uh, immunology laboratory. So it was in 2015 uh, when I clocked, uh, I think eight years there, I, I got a scholarship uh, through the MasterCard Foundation uh, program to go and or to undertake a master's degree in Edinburgh. And that is when I left um, MRC to travel to the UK uh, to study for my master's degree. Okay. And following, uh, following the completion of your master's degree, what was your next, what was your next move from a professional perspective? Yeah, so that is where like a kind of a, a, a change of uh, context started happening. Like when I, uh, immediately after completing my uh, master's degree, I had the opportunity to work in Malawi briefly. Um, also on the, another vaccine uh, trial there, um, which is a rotavirus vaccine candidate um, uh, called RV3. So this vaccine was uh, designed by a scientist from the University of uh, Melbourne in, in Australia. And, and, and it was been tried uh, in, in Malawian uh, infants uh, in Malawi. So that kind of provided a kind of a, a, a facelift and a, a kind of a unique, uh, different uh, experience uh, in terms of uh, working in a different environment and also in a um, uh, different in, 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 in culture, in geography, you know, uh, in kind of things. Of course, the research remains the same, but then still you, you learn a lot from meeting other scientists and other things. And this was very uh, rewarding uh, in the side of my career. Um, even though I spent uh, about 10 months there, uh, it was very rewarding in, in, in meeting new people and learning new skills uh, in clinical trial research as far as the laboratory is concerned. And uh, upon completion in Malawi, what were your next steps? So again, from Malawi, I came back to the Gambia again, go back, got, got back to MRC, but then of course in a different, uh, 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 still in the laboratory, but in a kind of slightly different role because I, I, I didn't return to the immunology lab that I used to work in. So I, this time I joined a, a field laboratory in, 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 in Lower River region of the Gambia. Uh, where MRC has a field station, 
And in that capacity, I mainly work with the laboratory services department, uh, combining both clinical laboratory and, and, and research. So even though I, I spent about only three months in this field, field, field laboratory, um, I got another position within the, uh, lab, the same laboratory services department, but under the, under the malaria platform. Um, and, that, uh, and this is a more senior role. Again, this is a higher scientific officer. So if you remember, I was a scientific officer before I left MRC and I came back again into the same role, but in a different laboratory. And now I got this uh, promotion to become a higher scientific officer under the malaria platform where um, I do studies on malaria, various malaria epidemiological clinical research uh, projects. Uh, this took me about one, one or two, two years um, on this role. And that led you, um, so from the Gambia, did you continue to remain there? What, were your, what was the next function from you from MRC? Is that, that's not where you are at the moment, if I understand. No, um, yeah, so yes, yeah, so that role or that responsibility, that, that, that role kind of <coughs> landed me into my current position at the moment as a clinical trial laboratory scientist, um, currently uh, with the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. Um, as an overseas staff um, working in Sierra Leone under the uh, Ebola vaccine trials um, uh, currently being done uh, in Sierra Leone by uh, the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. Uh, and this is my uh, current ro role at the moment. Excellent. So um, can you help us understand then, Abdulli? So clearly you, you've had a fairly unique path. Uh, I think of everyone I spoke to, uh, certainly, certainly very unique. Uh, obviously, the situation in the Gambia has changed from the time you were doing your studies to now. Can you help us understand a little bit um, of the lab situation in the Gambia, just for those of us who are not as familiar um, with the structure and, and the roles that are there in the lab? So what is the current setup for someone to work in the lab in the Gambia as far as the different roles and educational opportunities? Yeah, so I think um, that's a very good question. Um, in the Gambia, um, we have we have our names on on, on on laboratory research for a long time because um, we are lucky to be to host uh, the medical research council even though it's a United Kingdom uh, organization but it's been in Gambia for about 80 years now so a lot of people who have uh, there's always been a lot of uh, uh, opportunities for for Gambians and in fact non-Gambians I would say West Africans to um, kind of um, develop their skills in laboratory science uh, because of the presence of uh, Medical Research Council, which have been uh, conducting um, high quality research for over many years in infectious diseases like malaria, tuberculosis, HIV, uh, and so on and so forth. So that have always been provided a lot of opportunity for people who have wanted to become uh, medical researchers, uh, laboratory scientists, and so on and so forth. Um, so at, at, at the national level, um, we have hospitals, a lot of hospitals, primary healthcare, up to tertiary hospitals, all kind of equipped with laboratories. Uh, of course, these labs are mainly limited to uh, clinical diagnostics. And, and of course, um, they do provide opportunities for, for people who want to be lab scientists and so on. But I think MRC is the main institution that employs and uh, provided opportunities for people who, who go on to do uh, my bachelor's degree to, to a PhD level or to a postdoctoral uh, level 
lab, laboratory sciences. So I think uh, there's still a lot of opportunities there um, for people who would go on to study uh, mainly biomedical sciences, which is uh, the, the starting point uh, that teaches you um, diagnostics or, or, or laboratory investigations uh, in the context of research. So from there, we give you a bachelor's degree now, you will be qualified. To become to start as a what they, what, they, what we call the training scientific officer with your bachelor's degree, so that means you go on the training in the lab, and then you and after one year you be confirmed as a scientific officer. So scientific officer is is like the other name of laboratory <laughs> scientist there. Um, and then if you get a master's degree, uh, you are also qualified to become a higher scientific officer. Of course, after training and after relevant experience. Um, and you know, so if you're a higher scientific officer now, you get the opportunity to do a PhD, then you can opt in for either senior, senior scientific officer or you can do a postdoctoral. These are two pathways for PhD graduates. So I think the opportunities are endless uh, for any committed uh, student who wants to do uh, laboratory medicine uh, yeah, in the Gambia. So you, you talked about uh, the Gambia example in particular. So if we're looking more broadly, um, looking for your recommendations for people who are, are following the medical lab science path um, in other countries where that's sort of the, the nomenclature used um, and, and the specific degree that they earn. For those people who graduate from those programs interested in clinical trials, would you have any advice for them, uh, some, some items they should follow up, some additional learning they should focus on? What, what, was your, what would be your recommendations for them? Yeah, so uh, clinical trials are a, a, a bit different uh, because they, 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 of course, at the start, they might not require any kind of strict special uh, training as far as the laboratory is concerned. But it's, you know, as you know, clinical trials, we, we test out new products, new medical products, um, made in, in humans. I mean, that is when it reached the stage where now we can test them in humans, like vaccines or new drugs and stuff, and see how they perform. So that kind of research requires a, a, a person with a lot of um, organizational skills, somebody who is very um, um, highly high, pay high attention to details, you know, because um, it's all about documentation, uh, recording, you know, patient safety, you know, because uh, the new products you are trying out in new uh, new patients. So you have to be able to understand when things go wrong, how to report them as quickly as possible, you know, how to document them, and you know, how to archive documents to make sure that somebody, even if the vaccine or the medical product is being licensed, somebody can just come over to monitor uh, documentation that or the evidence that we are used to license that kind of uh, product. So all these things come into play in the concerns. But uh, as far as the laboratory is concerned, we are mainly tasked to uh, process the specimens that are extracted from um, these participants, the, 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 the participants participating in the study. So you process the experiments and you make sure that uh, the experiments are conducted according to what we call good clinical practice or GCP. So this is a set of international uh, standards or, or guidelines that um, uh, uh, guides uh, clinical uh, research. Uh, so it, it, it shows that data is, 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 is credible, the integrity of the data, and also the patient uh, well-being and, and safety. So participant well-being and safety are 
considered in any in every aspect of the of the trial. So these skill sets um, could come in a many ways. Uh, you can get training or on the job trainings. So even before the initiation of any clinical trial, uh, you uh, every staff will have to undergo uh, these uh, short trainings to, to familiarize themselves with these uh, international standards uh, uh, that guides uh, clinical uh, clinical trials. So in terms of specific skills, yeah, skills in, in statistics, you know, skills in the uh, in management project management uh, are all additional uh, advantageous. Um, skills uh, and knowledge that would help someone uh, working uh, on clinical clinical trials. And you had mentioned GCP as well. So that, that potentially could be another avenue for people to consider if they... Uh, yeah, exactly. So yeah, there's a lot of uh, institutions and online uh, organizations that offer courses in GCP. Um, so uh, and, uh, yeah, GCP and clinical research. So, in fact, there are now degrees or, or master's degrees of clinical trials uh, in the bigger picture. So, all these are areas that would provide someone, you know, if you want to supplement your biomedical science degree, these are things that you can do and that will really make you stand out. Great. That's great for that. Thank you, Abdul. And so, um, in terms of, um, in terms of obviously, you're, you're, being, you're based in Sierra Leone and, and connected to the Ebola vaccine and, and the work that's happening there. Um, I'm just curious about your um, what you've seen change um, over your period of time. So you've obviously worked in a few different settings in a few different countries, studied in a few different locations as well. The profession itself has probably undergone a bit of a change since you began. Uh, what would you say is some of the biggest changes that you've seen or, or something that um, has, has altered the way you practice or altered the way you work over time uh, most significantly? Um, that that sounds like a very tough question, but also very important. Um, yeah, over time, a lot of things has happened, and the, the field of medical research and the field of clinical research has been evolving a lot. Um, I think uh, in, in many years when I when I started, there were not a lot of um, there's always a shortage of <laughs> um, laboratory experts. Um, it was very difficult to, to replace people when they leave um, because usually you don't get um, uh, a, a replacement on time. But like now, it, it seems it's getting, uh, how do you call it? It's getting really, really, uh, I mean, I would not say that's enough, uh, especially in Africa, there's still a lot of shortage of um, highly competent you know, scientists, you know, because of the trainings, you know, people with the right degrees and combination of right qualifications and experience. But right now I can say that we have a decent number of uh, countries, we, you know, we, 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 with the universities and people imagine becoming more, sorry, we shouldn't discuss politics, but people get more democratic and so on and so forth. So people getting more opportunities now um, to study um, uh, biomedical science degrees, uh, you know, collaborations. So in Sierra Leone here, I mean, Sierra Leone has a university a long time, uh, much more earlier than the Gambia. Um, and we have a lot of young people who have their degrees at hand and, you know, they could just uh, uh, start off, you know, without having to undergo any kind of uh, uh, sandwich trading, uh, online trading or whatsoever. So I think that's a, that's a very important change. So the opportunities are becoming more and more. And of course, 
uh, with more challenges and threats from uh, pathogens or diseases with outbreak potential like Ebola many years ago uh, and now COVID-19. So there's, 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 there's been more, uh, uh, I, would call, I would call globalization of clinical research. You know, mainly clinical research used to be um, uh, limited to maybe developed countries and then a few developing countries like, like the Gambia because of the presence of MRC. But now we're beginning to see a lot of African countries having their own research institutions, you know, running their own uh, institutes, you know, getting providing grants for, for their own local uh, researchers. So this is something that I hope it, it will continue and governments will try to prioritize more and more uh, local research capacity that will help uh, to strengthen uh, laboratory research and laboratory medicine uh, in the continent. Great. Thank you for that, Abdullah. So just wondering as a final wrap up here, we generally invite our guests to, uh, to thank any mentors or people who support them along their journey. Uh, we'd like to do the, self, the same with yourself. Um, I'll let you take it away. Anybody you'd like to say thank you to? <laughs> um, you've given me a, a big task here <laughs> because I, I definitely have a lot of people, a lot of people who contributed uh, to my career uh, progression, you know, uh, career development, you know. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, I will just call out a few names here as, as I, I, I remember them because there are many, as I said. Uh, but firstly, to start with, uh, uh, of course, usually families are the first because they send you to school and then they give you all the support you need. Or oh, my, my parents, um, they're so proud of me, my mom, my dad, and of course, my wife, my kids, they're, they're very, very proud of me. And then I think I'm a good role model for my kids. Um, at, the, uh, for my, for, for, uh, at the professional level, definitely appreciate my, my first boss, um, which is, who is Professor Katie Flanagan, who is based in Australia at the moment. So she uh, recruited me in her lab when she was running uh, various uh, clinical trials in, back in the Gambia at the Infant Immunology Lab. Um, she kind of set the stone for, for my career and she was very supportive, and, you know, always willing to, to, to train uh, young uh, African scientists. You know, uh, I think uh, with her, because of her vision, I am able to start off on the right uh, kind of right platform. And of course, along the way, um, I, I work with uh, Dr. Dr. Ed, Edward Clark or Dr. Ed Clark, who's currently the head of uh, Infant Immunology Lab uh, in the Gambia. And then, uh, of course, on the, within the lab there, I had mentors like uh, Momodo Cox, who's a PhD student at the moment, who trained me in most of the experiments I, I, I learned uh, as a lab technician. Uh, and of course, uh, Fatou Dohokonte, Lady Kulel Sajal, all these are great people. And of course, in Malawi, I'll not forget uh, Dr. Kuzwayo Jere, who is the head of the virology research group uh, at the Malawi Liverpool uh, Welcome Trust Clinical Research Program. So these are all great people who have really been taught me well and supported me in all aspects. And Kobe uh, here in Sierra Leone, here, I have my boss, Bolalawal. Uh, and uh, Brett uh, Lowe as the laboratory director, or laboratory director, and of course, Professor uh, uh, Deborah Wasit-Jones, who is the principal investigator of our Ebola research, uh, Ebola vaccine research here in Sierra Leone. So these are great people who are, who are or who has already provided great mentorship uh, 
uh, great, great supervision, great training uh, throughout my career. And, and I wouldn't do justice uh, if I don't say a, a big thank you to them. But of course, uh, Dr. Mohamed Afalabi, who I worked with uh, at the Medical Research Council uh, in our first trial uh, in the Gambia. Um, he's currently a fellow at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. So there are a lot of them, but uh, I mean, uh, but these are the people I definitely can remember from, from, from here. And I, I like to appreciate their, their support and mentorship throughout my career. Okay. Well, we thank you for your time as well, Abdullah, and thank you for, uh, for sharing your story with us and, and hopefully enlightening a few other people who are interested in the clinical trials path or or just want to understand uh, some of the opportunities that may exist for them either in the Gambia or elsewhere. So uh, thank you very much for your time. And we look forward very much to uh, hearing, hearing from you and about you in the near future. Thank you, Robert. Uh, this, is, uh, this is great. I appreciate it a lot. And I'm uh, very happy to share my own story. And I hope someone can learn one or two things from, from the story. Thank you. To make a suggestion of someone that would make a great guest or topic you would like to hear more about, please visit us at labop.org. That's L-A-B-O-P-P dot -P org.